Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. We all wish we had more direction in life. We have so many questions about work, marriage, family, our future. Many times we just wish we knew what God was saying. When you hear someone say God spoke to them, you ever wonder, but how did they hear God? What does he even sound like? Or does he still speak to us today? Join us for a series on hearing God's voice and how we can learn the way he communicates with us. a series right now today we're on part three of a series called hearing God's voice and uh, we've learned some things throughout this series uh, two in particular the first one is that God wants to dwell with his people and speak to his people that is our theological truth that we're building the entire series upon and I need you to hear those words theological truth That means this is not an idea we're making up. It's not just some good thing we read in a book. This is a theological truth. God wants to dwell with his people and speak to his people. The second thing we've learned, though, is that God has different ways of speaking. And so we're we're saying God has different voices for the sake of this series categories of how God speaks to us. If you were here for part one, uh, and if you were not for any of this series, it's online. You can go and watch the videos, and you can get all caught up. You know, it's even uh, either on your website, or you can do it on your phone with the app. You know, while you're going to work, you can get all caught up and run into a tree. Are you guys like just going to? I was just seeing if y'all were actually listening. Do not watch the podcast on your way to work. Okay. Anyway, part one, we talked about how God has a spiritual voice. What that means is that God is spirit, that God lives inside of every one of his children uh, by his spirit. And so God has a spiritual voice that when we're having a conversation with God, God is involved in that. And we can trust some of our thoughts to be God's word, that how we feel about things when we have concern or when we have peace, we might even have dreams or visions. All of those are a part of God's spiritual voice speaking to us. And then we learned last week that God has a physical voice. And what that means is that God speaks through physical things in a physical world. And the most common ones around us are people and circumstance, right? People and circumstance. And so what we have discovered, though, with all of that, is that with all of that put together, we still are at a place where those are somewhat subjective. And people could kind of say, well, I think God said this or whatever. So You know, the real thing we all wish, at least I think we all wish, is wouldn't it be nice if there was a voice, if God had at least one voice that was was no compromise, no question, that it was black and white, no gray, whatever God says, we know exactly what God has told us to do, and there's no way to miss what God wants for us. How many of you would love that? Turns out there is, literally, black and white. It's called God's written voice, God's written voice. I grew up going to church, and so this may be different for some of you, but I grew up in a world where people told me all the time, well, the Bible says. I even grew up singing songs, Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so, right? Anybody in here, you had parents who said, the, the Bible says, you, you can't do that, the Bible says. How dare you think that? The Bible says, don't listen to that music. The Bible says, don't watch that TV show. The Bible says, come on, anybody with me, right? Now, granted, that's not everybody in the room. There are others of us that were kind of questioning things, but... Even though I grew up in a world for 18 years, always going to church and always being told, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, when I went off to college, didn't always do what the Bible says. And I know none of you can share that story with me, so today you can live vicariously through my mistakes. 
But there were many times that even though I knew what God's word would say about a situation, I still chose to do something incredibly different. And I think this is the struggle that we all have. We want a perfect voice. We want one that has no gray area. We want one that can tell us when to go right and when to go left and to not leave us in the dark hoping that we have heard right or something like that. The problem, though, is that we don't always like what that perfect voice says. And then some of us, well, we're not really sure that it's a perfect voice yet because we don't agree with it all the time. So the real question we're going to try to answer today is this. Is the Bible the voice of God? That's it. That's where we're going to be by the end of the day. Is the Bible the voice of God? Some of you may be at a place where you're still thinking no. Some of you, I hope, will be at a place where you're thinking yes. So, you know, the first thing that we should say is, wow, how can we claim that a book written by a bunch of men could actually be God's perfect, non-negotiable voice to us? It's actually God speaking to us. Is that not an incredibly bold claim for us to make y'all can say yes to that the problem is we don't make that claim it does and so here's our challenge for today sometimes you get to go to church and you just get to listen and you might go home a little bit inspired like oh that was nice did you like what the pastor said today oh that was encouraging and maybe you'll even have a little debate over lunch or something like that today though you're going to be in a tough position because what we're going to have to do before you leave those doors every single person in this room before you leave those doors is you're going to have to face the reality and that is that we really only have two options because this book right here claims to be god's voice to us and so we're only left with two options the first one is this we can believe its claims about itself Or number two, we have to reject it completely, not partially, but completely because its claims about itself cannot be trusted. And so before we leave today, I want everybody to have to kind of go through this internal struggle. And it is a struggle. I know there's a couple of people like, oh, I'm good, man. Can we just go on to lunch? No, no, most of us are not good. Because even those of us that think that it's God's word still probably did some of the things that I've done in my life. I've got, I've got a long list of things that are like, yeah, the Bible says so, but I'm doing it my way. And then there are those of us that aren't sure. We've got kind of, well, I like some of it. And then there are some of us that are like, well, I don't know about any of it. So here we go. Good conversation. So the Bible makes these claims. Let me tell you what these claims are. The first one comes out of 2 Timothy. It says this, all scripture is breathed out by God. That's a bold claim, isn't it? And for those of you on a journey today, would you just humor me and and take the whole journey? Don't go to lunch about 15 minutes in. This will be fun. We'll see where we end up. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Two really important things just came out of that. The first one is this, is that it's breathed out by God. Did you guys catch that? Breathed out by God. That means that this book claims that its actual source is not the men who took up the pen, but it's God himself. And then it goes on to talk about the fact that it's more than useful. It's actually profitable. Now think about a business. If somebody came to you and said, I want you to invest in a business, and uh, it's not profitable, would you invest in it? If they said, well, you know, it's an incredibly useful business, would you invest in it? Maybe not. But if they tell you it's profitable 
What that means is it's always going to be in a better situation than it is today. And so when this book claims that it is profitable for these things, it means that it is going to be for your good, that you are going to be in a better position if you follow those things. What does it claim? Well, the first one is for teaching. That means that you can actually know should you turn right or should you turn left when you're in this situation. Then it says for reproof and for correction, which may sound like the same word, may sound like synonyms, but it's actually not. One of them means that it's profitable for a rebuke when someone needs to say, hey, wake up. And the other one is for when you discover your course is a little off course, that it helps you correct that course and get it back on the course that it's supposed to be. But think about the last one for training in righteousness. You know, the word righteousness is like this big Bible word that some of us, you know, we don't always know what that means. And so I like to explain it this way. It means being right with God. Righteousness is right with God. And when we ask the question, when we talk about saying, how can I hear God's voice? We've never asked that question in light of what we want. Nobody's ever come to me and said, pastor, can you help me hear God's voice? Because I don't know what I want to do. I mean, really? We know what we want to do. I've never had someone come to me and say, Pastor, can you help me hear God's voice because my wife does not nag loud enough? Yep, never heard that one either, right? No, 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 we say, help me hear God's voice because I want to know what God wants, right? But this actually makes the claim that we can know what God, we can be right with God. When God says turn right, we can know to turn right. When God says turn left, we can know to turn left. That we can be in a position of being righteous, of being right with God based upon what it says, that it is profitable for that. Then it goes as far as to say this. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture, none, not a zip, No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Never. Never produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, look, that sounds great. And if you grew up in the church and you've always believed the Bible, you're one of the people saying amen, whoever that was. I mean, and that's who we are. And I'll admit, I grew up in the church. But I've met a lot of people who didn't. There are many of us in the room today who did not grow up there. And you're, you're a little bit on, on edge already in your seat. Like, well, if all you're going to do is tell me the Bible says all day, I'm not really sure that that's where we need to go. So let me speak to that for a second. Let me try to help us. And there's some language you've heard me use if you've been around Grace Life. If you get around somebody, they kind of use some of the same words over and over. And I like to make sure we we see the big picture. I'm a big picture person. So let's back up for a minute. Forget everything I just said. Here's the big picture. God exists. Now, you may be on that journey, but let's just assume that for a second. God created the world. God created man. God is the sovereign creator of the universe. God knows who he is. But God has created the earth and he's populated it with these people and now there's a problem. Not really a problem because, I mean, God's got it, but just follow me. The problem is all of those people that he just made, they don't know him. They don't know who he is. They don't know anything about him. And so God has to reveal himself to his creation. And once God begins to reveal himself to creation, some of those guys get really cool stories like Moses and the burning bush and Abraham gets talked to and people have dreams and it's really amazing. And so some of the interactions with people as God reveals himself 
It gets written down, and those interactions of God's revelation become stories to us. But then we've got other times where God simply sits down with a man and says, I want you to write this down. I want people to know who I am and what I think. And so God's interactions with people as he reveals himself, and then the things God simply says as he reveals himself, they come together to make up this book that claims to be God's word. Now, I want to make sure we understand our logical dilemma this morning. Because I meet people all the time that say, we know God is nice. I like God. God is good. But the Bible, I'm not so sure about. After all, it was written by men. And then at some point after Jesus died, there there was a bunch of men who got together and they took all of the writings and they decided, they decided which ones go into here. So how can you dare claim that this is like God's perfect word? I mean, there's way too many men involved in this. Well, here's our logical thought of the day, and I'm just going to read it so I don't mess this up. If God cannot control the revelation of himself and the recording of it to be accurate, then it's not the Bible we have a problem with. It's God. If God sits in heaven and creates mankind and says, I need you to know who I am. And he cannot accurately represent that to his creation. It's not the Bible we have a problem with. It's our God we have a problem with. Because what we're really saying when we say, but this was written by some men, and they might have got some words wrong. Well, maybe that was right, But, you know, then when men got together, they might have left out some good stuff. They might have put in the wrong stuff. What you really mean is you don't have a problem with that. What you really mean is there's an image in your head. And that image in your head is of God sitting in heaven going, no, Peter, no, not those words. Oh, gosh, I wish you would listen to me. Now, forever, people are going to think that's who I am. That's not who I am. If Peter would have just paid attention. Oh, my gosh. Look at these guys, they're voting to put, don't put that book in, that's not true about me. Oh, Jesus, please go straighten these guys out, they don't understand me at all. We can't trust that book, it's not the book we have a problem with. It's that's your middle image of God. That you've got a God who can create the universe, but he can't control what ends up there. That's the logic of it. And because of that logic, it should kind of affect what we think and where we're going. So, again, we're on a journey. And some of you may not yet be convinced that God exists and has revealed himself. That's okay. We're going to keep working on the journey, and that's good. I'm thanking you for exploring that with us today. But for those of you that are already ready to say, I'm good there. I'm good. God created the universe, and God has revealed himself. And so, therefore, if I'm going to trust God, I've got to trust what this says. Then we need to understand that we now have a written voice We now have a black and white, no gray. We know what this says. There are so many times that God's word has already told us what he's saying to us. It's already been determined, do we go right or left? For instance, one of the things that is in the Bible says you you will not steal. There's never a condition on it. I say you will steal not on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays before noon. No, it just says you will not steal. And so when people try to come and say, well, man, I had a dream last night. And in my dream, God told me to like steal something from rich people. 
and give it to the poor. Like Robin Hood? Yeah, that's not Bible. And the only reason we like Robin Hood is because we don't like that other people are richer than us. I mean, let's just be honest. If you were the rich guy in the Robin Hood story, Robin Hood is not a hero to you. So if you come to me and say, well, you know, there's a guy I know, and he's like a billionaire, and he has 17 Ferraris, so I've got an idea, Pastor. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to steal one. God even gave me a vision of how to do it. And I'm going to sell it and give all of the proceeds to the building fund. We're going to get the building paid for because he's got too many cars anyway. (laughs) There is never a time ever in any circumstance, no matter what you think a dream or an angel said to you that allows you to steal. What if the, what if you were stolen from? Does God give you permission to go and steal from that person because they stole from you? Not only is the answer no, but once again, the Bible speaks and says, oh, they stole from you. You need to forgive. You need to let it go. You need to consider it as though, wow, are you kidding? I don't get to go and steal. I mean, look, they took something from me. Can't I at least go like take their big screen TV? I mean, can't, can't I just do, I'm just going for even God, just even. No. And this is where we end up in so much trouble because we think instead of read. And so now at this point, some of us would say, well, okay, okay, okay. I'll go with you that far, but here's the problem with going that far. That's a bunch of really old rules. I mean, it kind of hasn't been added to in like 2,000 years. So, you know, I don't really know how that applies to me today. What do you want me to do about tomorrow and, and whether or not I should date this really cute girl in algebra class? Right, teenagers? Come on. Here's what I'll tell you the Bible says. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. Wait a minute. Not the sharpest scalpel made upon the earth can do what the word of God claims it can do. Of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You mean when we read this, that it can actually speak to what I am feeling and thinking right at this moment? Yes. Perfect example. After part one, I had a young man meet me outside. He came to me. He said, Pastor, I need to talk to you about what you just preached. I said, oh, okay. Because I'm always curious where this is going to go, right? And he says, well, here's the thing. I've, I've got a girlfriend, and I've been really wondering if I should break up with her. You know, something I've been thinking about a lot. And, uh, you know, so I was kind of curious what you thought about what she says about this or whatever, you know, a bunch of words. And then he kind of summed it up with, because, you know, I, I understand, you know, the Bible says that um, we, we are not supposed to be unequally yoked with someone, and she's not a believer. And so, and I just looked at him and said, I think our conversation's over. Because you just said what the Bible says. On top of that, and I was nice to him, I said, on top of that, you just explained to me you're already hearing the spiritual voice of God. You've been thinking about it. You've been feeling it. And instead of running to lunch, you wanted to talk to me to process what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And then you told me what the Bible says. So I'm not really sure we need to talk about this anymore, do we? You know what to do, don't you? And he said, yes. Now, in my world, that usually means, yeah, I'm never going to talk to you again. (laughs) But he came up to me after part two last week, and he said, hey, Pastor, I just want you to know I'm single. 
I don't care that he's single. What I care is that he decided that the word of God goes above his feelings. Because teenagers, if you haven't figured this out yet, you're going to feel all kinds of stuff that don't line up with the words of God. And as we get older, we think we're immune to that. But no, the reality is we just might have different feelings about different things in different ways. You see, once God's word is spoken, it is what we do. It is his word to us. The Bible is God's written voice to us. The Bible is God's written voice to us. So the real question is, what do we do with that? Well, the first thing we have to do that for some of us, probably all of us, some of us, it's a, just a confirmation, so to speak. We have to decide. For some of you, we need to draw a line in the sand. We just, where do I stand? We have to decide if we honestly believe that God can and has revealed himself. And that he can do that without error. That is the first thing that we have to decide. You see, it makes total sense to me when I meet an atheist or an agnostic or someone with another religion and they're making decisions that don't line up with the word of God and their life becomes a bit of a mess when I meet people who don't believe any God or anything. And so they're making decisions based upon what they want at the time or based upon values they've learned in the world. And it, you can just see it from a mile away like that's not going to go well but it makes sense because they don't have any regard for the word of God because they don't have any regard for God. I mean, they're like a kid without a parent. And if you saw a kid without a mother playing in the freeway, what, would, what emotion would overcome you outside of maybe immediate fear and something, you know, but compassion. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for this child that they're in this situation. It makes perfect sense. But here's what doesn't make perfect sense. It's people like me and people like you who say that we're followers of Jesus. We say that we're Christians. But then there is so much of what it says that we just don't quite do. And here's the reason that it just doesn't make any sense. Because if we say we're followers of Jesus, if we say we're Christians, the only basis for that is there. There is no other book outside of the Bible that ever said that you can be forgiven by the death and resurrection of Jesus. There is no other book you're going to encounter that is going to tell you that there is an eternal future for you in heaven and you don't have to earn it through good works. This is the book that tells you that you are saved by grace. This is the book that tells you Jesus died for you. This is the book that tells you it was the kindness of God that led you to repentance. This is the book that tells you that God loves you. We all love that God loves us. This is the book that tells us that God blesses us. This is the book that is the basis for everything we believe that we say we are. But then we come across a line we don't like. Forgive my uncle for... You don't know what he did. Well, unfortunately, I don't need to know. You see, what happens is we follow our feelings, how our secretary is more respectful to us than our wife. 
But that should not even be a conversation in our head because the conversation has been written. We like what our bank account statement looks like when our neighbor can't even afford groceries. But that shouldn't even be a question. There are so many things about who we are and what we do that should immediately already be solved if we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, which that is the book that tells us that's going to happen. If we're looking forward to everything God has for us. Now at this point, I already know there's a lot of feeling really bad kind of stuff going around the room, a lot of condemnation and whatever. Since we're in a series about hearing the voice of God, let me encourage you. It is not the voice of God that makes you want to like crawl under a chair and never come out. The voice of God gives you hope about making a change. That's the difference between conviction and condemnation. And so some of you at this point may be feeling not so good because I've just really made all of us come to an awareness. of. The, is, I mean, let's just try this. Raise your hand if you can say you have perfectly always done exactly what the Bible said since the day you were born. So first of all, can we just thank God for his forgiveness? Can we thank God for his grace, his mercy, his goodness? So right now, I'm not trying to beat us up for what we've missed, what we've not done right, for the things we did in college that we knew we weren't supposed to do. I mean, come on. How many of you, you don't you have to raise your hands for this, but you can just go along with me. How many times did you say, God, please forgive me, before you did it? Because you already knew. Yes. I know I'm not alone. This message is not meant to beat us up, to make us feel bad, to make us want to crawl out of here like a worm. No, 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 no. But it is to hopefully make us think twice tomorrow. Because we have a God who needs to reveal himself. And if we're going to trust that God, then we've got to trust that revelation. And that comes to our word of the week. If you've been around, we've had a word every week to help us remember. Part one, what was our word in part one? Trust. We trust that God speaks and we can hear. Part two, what was our word? Confirmation. It is all around us. God confirms his physical voice through his spiritual voice. He confirms his spiritual voice and his physical voice through his written voice. It is all around us. Confirmation is everywhere. Our word of the week for today is trust. Wanted to keep it easy for you. There you go. Trust. But it's a different idea. This time it is trusting that God's word is his written word to us. The Bible is God's written word to us. You see, it really comes down to this. We're not... We're not trusting that, we're trusting him. And I want you to catch this right here. It's in Deuteronomy 6, 24. I saved this because this is really good. The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good. And this is really where our problem comes in. Stop thinking about the Bible for a minute and let's think about a teenager with a parent that doesn't get along. You see, at some point, that teenager feels like life is all about rules. My dad says this, my mom says this, I got to follow this rule, got to follow that rule. I don't like this rule, so now I'm going to rebel, I'm going to slam my door, ugly words are going to ensue, our relationship is going to be strained, and before you know it, I can't wait to go off to college and we'll never speak again except Christmas and Thanksgiving. 
Because the child thought that obeying their parents was about following a set of rules, just rules. It's just all about do what I say, do it the way I say it, do it when I say it, follow the rules. But God claims otherwise. For those of us that think that obeying God is all about following the rules he's written, no, it's not. It's about trusting that God wants something for our good. You see, the kids that don't have a problem obeying their parents are the ones who understand their parents are out for their good. They don't trust the rules. They trust their mom and their dad. That's something that's been broken all along. This book right here is not about follow the rules. It is about trust the one who wrote it. All of these are for our good. And I've got a long list over here of Jimmy doing things Jimmy's way because Jimmy thought it was best. And every single time that it did not turn out, none of those times it turned out well, I've learned it finally has taken a while at at this point in life. But I, I follow what God says now, not because I'm compliant. I need you to understand that. Not because I'm great at following rules, but I've reached the point in my life where I can finally do what God says because I trust God. When God says, don't touch the burner on the stove, it's not because he's a narcissist. It's not because he's a control freak. It's not because he's a manipulator. It's not because he's a dictator. And forgive me for applying those horrible human words to God. But I wasn't really. It's not that that's who he is. It's that he loves you for your good. And he says, turn right instead of left because I know you and I know my creation and I know the world I created. And if you go right, it is for your good. Go right, not left. The question is this, do you trust God? Do you trust God? If we trust God, then we trust that he's revealed himself. And we also trust that what he's saying and doing is for our good. Obeying what this says is, it's not about being a rule follower not about being compliant no it's not even because you thought Jeremiah was a cool dude no it's because you trust God you trust that he has revealed himself and he has a written voice it's going to remind us of what we've learned so far week one part one we learned to trust that God speaks and we can hear We learned that confirmation is all around us if we'll just pay attention. And today we've learned to trust the Bible is God's written voice. And so I decided to save really the most clear passage for you. I'm just going to read it and be done. About whether or not God has a written voice. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written. When you obey the voice by doing what he has written, God himself says, this is his written voice. And we, we follow him. We follow it because we trust him. Amen. I want to close by 
making sure that everyone in the room understands what this book says about our condition. See, what it says is that God is perfect and unfortunately we're not. We've made some mistakes along the way. And that the answer to that is that Jesus voluntarily gave his life upon the cross. His death paid for our sins and his resurrection pays for our freedom in our life. Our ability to have victory over the enemy. And so at some point in time, every single one of us is offered through this truth a thing called salvation. Where we recognize that on our own course, we cannot do anything to ever be right with God. But thanks to Jesus, if we will recognize his death for us and then exchange that with our life for him, we have eternal life. If you've never done that, if you've never had that conversation with him, if you've never made that exchange, I'd like to help you do that this morning. You don't have to stand up or come down front or do anything weird. We're going to pray right where you're seated. Would you all join me? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. I thank you that you died for me and now I want to live for you. That you would be my king. My simple prayer here today is that you will give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.